Good day. Thanks for coming back and joining me for another episode of Critical Podcast. Before we get too into things, let's get into it. So we're into the last week of the federal elections. And where we end up, it's it still seems like it's a bit of a wild card. I have a lot of hope. We, uh, I expect that we get some seats, and that that's my realistic approach. I've I've kind of shared that before. Um, but as we get into the last stretch, we're starting to see some of the wheels come loose, honestly, on some of these campaigns. And as you've heard in the previous episodes, we've we've kind of been watching some of the the rhetoric and the the mental tactics being played across politics, healthcare, all of it at this point. Um, but recently, I believe yesterday, uh, Justin Trudeau has now escalated his language and his, his othering, and we're, we're treading very closely to dehumanizing. I, I believe, I believe we're, we're just a short time away from that kind of rhetoric if he was to continue. Um, but I'll, I'll play the clip, and then we'll, we'll break it down a bit. Trying to bring people together is not always compatible with science, with respect for human rights, with the best way to move things forward. I mean, when Aaron O'Toole talks about, oh yes, we need to unite people, we need to bring people together, he's talking about defending the rights of people who are anti-vax to endanger my kids and endanger us all of future lockdowns and risk all of us having a slower recovery. If you make a choice, a personal choice, to not get vaccinated, then I will have no sympathy for you when you come to me and said, oh, but I can't go out to a restaurant with my friends, or I'm not being allowed to go to the gym, or my employer uh, is telling me I have to continue to work from home. Uh, You don't have a right to endanger others. And there you have it. I mean, we've we've kind of laid out the fact that this type of thing was coming. Uh, we've seen a soft introduction of it. Uh, but he has pretty much put his cards on the table where he has absolutely no regard or concern if you don't go along with his line of thinking and his, his uh, reactionary approach to any of the topics. He has no concern for you. He has no concern for your rights, your treatment, your role or participation in society, and he as much as says he, he doesn't even care to have the conversation. It, it's not it's not an option to him. He does not have any concerns. And that should tell you everything you need to know. If, if I really hope if you were thinking of voting liberal over the last little bit, you, you truly reconsider. Uh, I have my objections with pretty much every other party, but I can respect... A difference of opinions, even liberal, but uh, given the current leadership and, and platform being floated, I'm a little less tenable to, to take that argument. I don't, I don't think the liberal platform is healthy. I, I, I think, in fact, it's pretty much the most dangerous platform we can have right now, um, followed closely by the other two big parties, the NDP and, and the conservatives but I think the language you're seeing and the tactics being played if we don't look at history and look at look at the the mental tactics and 
trickery being played. It, they are sowing division, and they are making no hides about it. They're not trying to keep it hidden. They're not trying to, to hide the fact that they are effectively waging a battle now against people of a different ideology. And I just don't understand how somebody can run to be the leader of the country with a wanton disregard for not a small percentage of the population. Now, the optimist in me hopes that it is likely just a product of them realizing that they are not in the position they thought they would be. They went into this hoping that they'd get a majority. I don't I don't think they thought they would, but that certainly was their hope. I, th I think they're realizing very quickly that it was a bit of a, a stretch of a hope indeed. Um, but again, maybe, maybe I'm being too generous in saying that giving them that default, assuming that they're just kind of falling apart and it's, it's reactionary, not, not indicative of an underlying direction. And I think there's a real possibility there is an underlying direction. Although I don't want to default to assuming that, uh, it would be disingenuous and, and frankly irresponsible to not at least examine that perspective. But you have it plain as day, and, and the media will not treat them the same way. Um, if any of you followed the federal leaders' debates, uh, you're seeing media, and this goes for every party. Every party handled it all of the same way, where you have really two factions of media, and, and most of the media nowadays fits into the center-left category. And when I say that, I mean they all toe the same line, they will only push on the same issues, and they will not step out of the same box. And then you have some independent media outlets. You've got Rebel News is a huge frontrunner in it. You've got people like the Post Millennial. Uh, Bright Light News is, a, is another independent startup that's been pretty center-right bias. Um, and you need to acknowledge... You're going to be biased. Just like, just like myself here, the, the goal would be to acknowledge your bias and, and work with that knowledge so you can try to be as least impacted by your bias as possible. Um, but you had Rebel. The Trudeau government had seven lawyers fight to deny them access to the leaders' debates, um, just from a reporting standpoint. And then they, they lost that in the in the ninth hour in court. The, the court ruled that they had to accept Rebel Media into the leaders' debates. After the court ruled that that was that was a non-starter, they had they had to comply. Uh, the debate commission then denied them uh, entry based on them not recognizing the testing, allegedly, for the reporters entering. And a quick call to the judge, and that was sorted out quick enough. They, they were eventually let in to the, the building. And you'd think that, okay, the, the battles are done, and, and they fought their fight, and they got in, and they can do their job. Well, no, we saw that didn't matter what leader, uh, O'Toole did it, uh, Anna May from the Green Party, uh, Jagmeet Singh as well, and Trudeau, they all refused to answer the questions. They came right out and said, we do not 
recognize your media as media. And it just goes to show you how much capture there is between ideologies and, and the media and the platforms and the media. They, they're only showing a small scope of the national conversation. And you see that as well by them not allowing Maxime Bernier and the PPC to even have representation on that debate. Now, there was some, some shady stuff going on with that. So the, the threshold to enter the leaders' debate, you had to have at least a 4% polling nationally, and they, they waited it a few weeks before and a few weeks after the writ of election was mandated. Basically, when they, when they call an election, a little before, a little after, and you have to have an average across multiple polls of 4%. Well, the, the People's Party had that. Uh, aside from one poll that they, that they counted in that average that had them at a disingenuous sub-1%. And I say disingenuous because we know last election they won successfully 1%. Uh, and there is no poll other than this alienated one that showed them below 1%. So they will, they will shut out conversation and people that they do not want to give platform to. Uh, so really, to, to play in the big leagues, you have to toe the, the line. You are given a box to work within, and now it's getting so transparent that, that you can actually see it happening. You can, in real time, these people are saying, we're not answering your questions, we don't acknowledge you. Uh, and it's it's kind of, I think it's, it's both tragic and... Um, a good thing, because it really is falling apart for them. And I, I do believe that the reason they kept Maxime out of the debate was, at this point, they're treating him the opposite of Trump. And I don't mean to unnecessarily correlate the two people, but peop we saw in the States that quote-unquote bad press was still good press. They smeared him and they tried to attack his character, and it, it backfired on them greatly. Uh, and I think we're at the point now where if you basically had a debater in that event advocating for sensible policy and freedom, I, I think that even the opposition knows that that's only going to fare well. So instead of allowing an opportunity to have their platform really lifted up and highlighted, they just denied him access altogether. And, and it really, I think it is categorically just because they, they know it would, it would traction way better than any other platform. And because of that, I think you had lockstep agreement across the parties that this was bad for all of them, so they, they can agree on this. I mean, the silver lining, I guess, there is such thing as bipartisanship still. Uh, it just happens to be at the cost of freedom. Um, shifting gears, but staying on the, the politics side of it, I, I feel obligated to address a bit of an elephant in at least the room I'm in. Uh, we saw, we have seen the, the escalating heckling of Justin Trudeau and from a heckling perspective, I fully support it. I think not only is it your right, I, I believe at this point in time it's your duty to heckle these people who have l literally espoused 
the the neglect and disregard for viewpoints of, of large amounts of people. So I don't want to come across that that I don't support that because I fervently do support that. I, I think if, if Justin Trudeau were to come by my city, I would take time off work to go and heckle him. However, uh, there's a line, and that line should not be crossed. I have a very unique perspective on violence. I, I am not somebody who is strictly pacifist. I believe violence has a time and a place, um, but that time and place is at the end of an exhaustive process of all other options. And I don't, I don't mean that to be a call to arms. It's, it's certainly not. But if we look at history, there has been times for violence, and th there is justification for it. We are not there. Um, I, I will say that clearly and, and certainly, we are not there. Um, but uh, recently, with Trudeau's stop in London, where he was pelted with pebbles, um, I, I do not mean to make that a hyperbole. It, he really was, gravel was thrown at him. Um, and I don't mean to downplay that, uh, I'm just intentionally not going to overstate it. Um, but nonetheless, that crossed a line. That crossed a clear and, and easily identifiable line. I, uh, I can acknowledge the fact that uh, this individual, um, they have since charged and I believe arrested um, an individual, uh, I believe it's on tape, they have of him throwing the gravel, uh, they have charged and arrested him. Now, I can acknowledge my bias and and recognize that this individual was connected with, with the political campaign that I've actually been helping with. I was not there that day, um, nor was I aware they were doing anything that day. Uh, it really does seem like it was a isolated individual choice. Um, but nonetheless, uh, as somebody who could have had proximity to that, we need to rebuke that. We need to distance ourselves from that and be purposeful. And I say this knowing that since announced, he has been removed from the People's Party of Canada and disavowed uh, the actions we do not stand by. Uh, we, or I, individually, and it's not... I. We're in a tough spot, because I can understand where less composed people are reaching points of frustration where they think that that's, we're there, we're not there. Um, I can understand the frustration, I just cannot abide by allowing that line to be crossed. And especially in this time, it, it, it truly does way more harm than good. Um, it's, it's a bad look, uh, and we all should be better than that. But I, I did want to address that, since it does hit a little closer to home. Um, we're better than that, and uh, that that should never have happened. Uh, you you should go out, and I, I even advocate like if you're gonna go out and protest, keep it keep it family friendly. You can you can holler at the guy, you can voice your concern, but don't don't start cussing and swearing. Like there's kids all around. We're we're above this. Uh, keep your composure, voice your righteous anger in constructive ways, and if things 
end up too far, then there's a time and a place for escalation. We're not there. And I, I hope we never get there. I do not want to live in a world where we have active conflict. I am aware both historically and situationally that there have been historical times where conflict is unavoidable. Uh, and when that day comes, if that day ever comes, we have to deal with that when we do. Do we flee? Do we fight? Maybe maybe we have a, a great unifier. Uh, in the spirit of September 11th, we look back and see how quickly a country can get unified around a common interest. And again, that birthed decades of violence. Sometimes necessary. Sometimes not. But it's not... There's no place in Canadian politics, in decorum, in respect and responsibility. There's no place for that, and we should all condemn it. It's a bad look. We're better than that. Shifting gears a bit, I, I'm going to touch on the vax ports and the imminent deadlines that are pending. Uh... It's been a it's been a really rough week around here. Uh, we've we've gone through some stuff this week that uh, we'd rather not have gone through, and and just in general, the world is feeling pretty heavy. With we're we're literally watching the the shoe drop as we sit and wait. But uh, I have it's it's the the weekend itself has been a pretty decent one. It's it, we're capping off with. Some good news, uh, and I, I see some light on the horizon. So, we found out today that Boris Johnson in the UK has suspended their vaccine passport program indefinitely, and now they've announced that they will be removing certain powers uh, they had bestowed upon themselves, including the ability to quarantine sick individuals. Meaning, much like the flu, if you are sick with the flu, you are not mandated on house arrest. Uh, again, uh, I will happily work with good advice. If you're sick, stay home. That's reasonable. Um, and then they remove their power to impose on businesses and shut them down. So at least in the UK, you're seeing a scale back. And I think that is really good news for us. Um... I have my worries that if Trudeau wins even a minority, we're, we're going to be pushing this much further. Um, but even if he doesn't, uh, or even if he does, sorry, I see hope that a massive, a massive leader in the G7 is now seemingly becoming reasonable. This is, this is, this brings me a lot of hope. Um, they've kind of been ahead of us by a few weeks in regards to everything. They've kind of seen what it, whatever the Delta ended up being with them. They, they saw a rise and a fall, and they're finding normal, it seems, and without reaching into a dystopian novel. Uh, and I pair that with the fact that there's really no guidance. Uh, in Ontario, at least, they're, they're pushing this, and you're, you're seeing the clear divide in business ideology. You're seeing businesses that want to lean to the left or authoritarian tactics are happily coming out and supporting this and rushing to implement um, 
passports and, and restrictions on their businesses. Um, you see that a lot of sports associations have already put in place, and, and it, it's sad. I don't think it'll be long-lived, uh, but it, it's a it's a phase we're going to have to go through to see the other side of it. But I have a lot of hope because you're you're seeing the cream rise. You're seeing where you are going to fit in. Uh, you're seeing the people that won't just go along that will draw a red line in the sand and say this is this is as far as I go and no further. So that in itself is good. Um, but a, another thing I'm I'm seeing and it, I have a lot of hope for. Um, I work in IT and I, I know a lot of people in IT. And I've got a little bit of an inside baseball um, in the sense that Ontario has been developing digital identification for, for years. This is not a new thing. Um, and there's there's conspiracy and concerns that go along with any digital identification. And that, that's a conversation for another day. But the fact is, well, they've been wanting online, digital, driver's license, health card, all that. And I say that as an option. They, they aren't talking, at least yet, of doing away with hard copy. Uh, they're just simply working towards the future. Um, and I think, whether you like it or not, we're going to end up in a digital ID scenario, so much so much as your phone. And I, I, I really don't have much problem with that, as long as it's done in the right context and with the right securities in place, um, and not in this passport control measure type way. So they've been they've been mapping this digital ID out for a long time, and now that this health passport has come into play, it would stand to reason that they could just roll it all in one if that was their goal, and that would be very concerning. But I have inside knowledge, knowing that a few people that are working on this project, and they have told me that the vaccine passport program is not being rolled into that. It is not being absorbed into this major project. It is being rolled out as a homegrown in-house option. And surface level, it really doesn't matter. But when you dig into it a little more and, and realize the possible implications for that, it gives me a ton of hope. Because if, if I was building a system I was going to throw out or thought might get thrown out, I'm going to do it in the cheapest, easiest way to insulate myself from the accusation of wasted money. And I, I think there's a real possibility that it seems like they may be going through the motions with no long-term intent. And I, I could be wrong, and that would be terrible, but I, I the signs are looking good, and I'm going to hang on to that little bit of, of light and uh, I, I will see how it plays out. But pair that with possibly the de-escalation in, in other areas. If we have a reasonable voice in government, maybe we could see this dial back sooner than we thought. Um, I know certain areas of work have put in mandates. And we kind of all expected mass firings. And we, we likely might still see that. But at least in some of the more narrow situations I'm thinking of, um, they came out with harsh mandates. And then I know of at least one person who stood up bravely and had no part in it. They, they 
they did not comply, they did not go along, and they, they picked their battleground. And I was happy to hear they were placed on leave, which wasn't good to hear, but it was paid leave. Uh, in the face of having to publicly fire somebody that would not go quietly, they opted to pay them the, the leave till the policy is lifted. So again, maybe inside baseball, maybe just that business understanding that the battle wasn't going to work out for them. Um, so maybe a cost-benefit analysis. It was cheaper to just pay them for even a year or two than to pay the court costs and, and such to just lose. But I, I add all these small victories up, and it gives me a lot of hope. I, uh, I am, for the first time in a little while, I'm actively hopeful in the medium term. Uh, long term, I'm super pumped. Uh, just in what I've seen with the PPC, you're, you're seeing a healthy populist rise in Canada. And I mean that in, look at any of your PPC candidates. There are no establishment people. You have real people, blue-collar people, standing up saying, I don't want to do politics, but I have to do something. And for the first time in my lifetime, you're seeing people in politics, not because it's a career, but because they have vision and a desire for a direction change. And I think that's going to spill over. You're going to see kids grow up in this with, with an absolute disgust for how it's run. And that's healthy. I'm so excited to see that. And it gives me a lot of hope. And on that note of hope, uh, I think we're going to end it right here. I, I genuinely like to end things on a high note and, and leave with some hope. So uh, what better time to do that? I uh, probably won't be doing a midweek touch-in this week. Uh, we've actually got Maxime Bernier coming to my town uh, on Thursday. So my week is going to be quite full. Uh, we will touch in next Sunday for Monday release uh, for election day coverage and we'll we'll do a 10,000 foot overview of this whole campaign where we see it going and, and we'll be able to check our predictions in, in almost real time. So I hope you all have a great week. Uh, find the little bits of hope add them all together and and really enjoy your week everyone